Hey, welcome back. Another big esports podcast. This episode, I've got Matt CS, a Counter-Strike YouTuber from the Netherlands. We had a really good chat. This one went for an hour and a half, um, so a little bit longer than, than some of the previous ones, but I think it's well worth it. There was a lot of topics I still want to talk about, so he's going to come back on for another one, but it's really following the new lines of the new content. So I've talked about this so much that we wanted to change our content a little bit more, become a bit more casual. This is the first ever chat I didn't have any notes for. Usually before um, we go live, uh, the guest will come in and we might talk about you know some of the topics that we might want to discuss that'll help to frame the conversation a little bit. I mean, we did that a little bit with this one, but I didn't actually take any notes whatsoever for that. And I tried to let the chat dictate part of where we went with our discussion on LinkedIn and Twitter. And also just what I was interested in dictate that discussion. Um, you know, Matt's got something interesting that he's launching. Um, he wants to come back on and talk about that. He wants to come back on and talk about my business a bit more too. So if that's something you're interested in hearing, please drop into the comments. Um, let me know if you're listening to the audio only version, hit me up on Twitter at Smithy Mayo, on LinkedIn, which is also Smithy Mayo. And let us know what you think. I enjoy this episode. I'm enjoying this new direction. Please let us know if you are too. This episode is sponsored by the North American Collegiate League. Uh, NACL is one of the market leaders in the US for collegiate programs. They've got a really robust list of um, ambassadors. And I did a news video about this on my LinkedIn, but they've got people like Flex Wheeler multiple times Mr. Olympia, they've got NBA Hall of Famers, NFL Hall of Famers, um, media moguls, business moguls, all on their ambassador list. These guys are sitting in that gap of, of collegiate or university esports, which I believe is extremely under-commercialized. They're an audience that isn't expensive to advertise to, that don't expect big payments of prizes or products or anything like that. And they're people who are the next generation of people that are going to be buying your products. So if you're interested in sponsoring something like that, I highly, highly suggest you check out the North American Collegiate League, one of the sponsors of the Big Esports podcast, Big Gaming Live, and all of our content that we do here. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoy this episode. I did too. Enjoy. Matt, Mr. Matt C.S. himself, how are you? What's up? How are you? I'm doing good, man. Good, good. I'm good too. I was laughing. I don't know if you saw me in the camera down the bottom, but I was laughing at, at the people that can come in off your community post. Oh, YouTube. really? There's some good comments in here. Business warlord, multiple business owner, Matt EZ. There's a lot of pog champs in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, what's up, guys? <laughs> good to, it's good to see your fans come in. Yes, sir. So uh, for those people who are watching live, I've now got some people coming through on LinkedIn. Hi, hi to those people who are commenting there as well. So if anyone's watching live now on LinkedIn, we're also live on Twitch. Um, also, this will be a video podcast later on a YouTube channel and it'll also be an audio-only podcast. But Matt, we've got a lot I'd like to talk about. This is the first ever time I haven't written down any topics whatsoever. I've got in my mind a few things that I'd like to talk about because I know we, we talk quite a lot on Discord. But before we get into that, can you give people just a bit of an intro into yourself? What do you what do you do? What do you do day to day? Who are you? All right. So um, I'm a Counter-Strike YouTuber full-time. I like sharing my daily life on my second channel. On my main channel, I uh, upload Counter-Strike videos and... Um, yeah, that's basically my life. I uh, run a few websites next to that, and it's very simple, very basic, and that's yeah. basically it. Yeah, like to keep it simple. What? Yeah, I guess the first the first question because I covered this in um, some other stuff that I did before with like Fusion Droid. Why do you, why do you have two channels? And I think this is probably more for LinkedIn people. Why why do you have two separate channels? Right, right. So uh, I see channels more like a, as a business. So one, one business attracts this certain type of people and then the other attracts uh, another type of people. So what I did was I have my main channel, which I see as a gaming 
channel. And then my second channel is more of a personal channel where my real core fans would follow me. And I, I hate calling my viewers fans. I don't even know why I say it, but yeah, the people that actually really like me uh, more, they, they go to my second channel and follow me for a more personal uh, life or videos, you know? Yeah. And that's, I guess that's something that we talked about a bit, like my last couple of podcasts for better or for worse, you know, they, and they're friends of mine, Fusion Dreaded Antics, they don't really have a life. It's, it's mostly work, but I know you're like, yeah. after you and I talking a bit on discord, you've been trying super hard to, to really work on that work life balance. So you've done exactly. some things like, I know we talked a little about cold showers, um, you know, you, and you've also stopped using social media pretty much altogether. Right. So how, do, yeah. I mean, how does that work for you? You're, you're literally a social influencer by creating videos on YouTube and you don't use social media anymore besides making videos. Like, how'd you decide to do that? Um, well, I think social media can be used as a tool, definitely. So that's what I use it for. I'm currently on TikTok. So I'm, I can't say I'm not completely using social media. I still use YouTube, obviously it's a social media, but uh, yeah. when, it, when it comes to me for social media, it's like uh, you can use it as a tool or as entertainment. And usually the gap between the two, like the line kind of fades because I just get bored sometimes and you pick up your phone and you scroll on Instagram and you're like, I've already like, why am I scrolling? But there's nothing to see here. So yeah. I decided to just get rid of Instagram, uh, Twitter, because it was doing worse for me than it was doing good. So I just decided to uh, eliminate those, save time. And um, yeah, that's it. Was there like, was there like any... I don't know, documentary you watched, anything you read, any podcast you listened to that made you like realize that? Like, was there one like catalyst that made you stop using social media mostly? Um, not really. Although a great series or a documentary I've seen on Netflix, which I'm pretty sure everyone has seen, is The Social Dilemma. It was pretty good. Yeah. It wasn't really making me uh, stop using social media because I already knew the negative effects of social media, regardless of that. Uh, yeah. Just for, for like mental health, like... Social media, I don't know why it's called social because it just makes you compare yourself to everybody. Like, come on, yeah. man, you don't have to do that. Yeah. 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 And I know like, I, you know, I think so many more people are recognizing that now, right? Like even one personal example for me is a company that's invested involved with us, Placeo Studios, and they're going through a public listing at the moment. And their CEO, Jerry Sakas, is, you know, always on Instagram, very prolific on there. And he fits the typecast perfectly. He wears the nice clothes. He has the nice car that kind of stuff. And he has a lot of influencer friends, but even he's decided to dump it recently. And mm. it's, it's really interesting to see these kind of people who, you know, I mean, most of his friends are on Instagram and he's, and he's made business through there. It's pretty funny to see people drop that. For me, I feel like I almost feel sick when I use social media these days. It's like, it's, it's like something inside my brain is trying to scream at me to like stop scrolling, like you were saying. And then my yeah. brain just keeps on wanting that dopamine hit. And, it, and I, the only other time I've ever experienced that was in Minecraft. I think I had this, I only played it once ever, but I couldn't get off the computer and I felt so unhealthy that I'm almost scared to download and install that game ever again because I just felt super addicted after like half a session, one session. Because you couldn't find diamonds, huh? You just couldn't stop <laughs> exactly. mining. <laughs> exactly. It's just like mining into the earth yeah, nonstop. And you know, because you're you know, not playing on survival mode, you can play forever. <laughs> like, yeah. what, like, when it, like there's no reason to stop, right? Exactly. Yeah, same for social media. You can keep on scrolling and the thing is with yeah. social media... It's a lot of fun things on there. And people say like, well, you could just use social media and only follow the people you actually enjoy. But guaranteed, when you get on social media, there's always some bullshit you don't want to see on there that's going to bring your mood down. Always. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, to avoid that, you have to avoid social media. 
And I've, I've tried that so hard, right? So like my, my Twitter, I took this from a guy called Jamie Skeller on there. He, he said that he's extremely like he, he pays extremely close attention to who he follows on Twitter. So he only follows mm-hmm. people for very specific reasons. And it's funny because I mean, as a side note, you unfollow people, they get pretty angry. I've had some pretty angry people in my DMs for unfollowing them for whatever reason. But um, yeah. you know, I've tried to be very strict with that. And then on top of that too, I've built like this long banned word list as well. So I've banned words like government, Trump, mm-hmm. um, and then like, you know, Scott Morrison, who's like our prime minister, Dan Andrews, who's my local premier, because there's all news about, you know, coronavirus. I think I've, I think yeah. I've blocked coronavirus as well. But the thing that always gets me is the trending on the side. I can't block yeah. the trending tab. And then you always see something on there and you see Trump trending and you're like, what has he said this time? <laughs> like you gotta, yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to click on it. And then like you said, you just, whether you want to or not, you, you're all of a sudden you're down the rabbit hole. Flawless Twitter design. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah. well, I mean, it's in the social dilemma, right? It's designed to, uh, to be addictive. Exactly. So, yeah. Do you, do you find that with video games too? Or are you able to like separate yourself pretty easy from CS? Because it's, I guess the other question to ask that I should have asked is how much is CS a game and how much is it a job to you? Is it still fun it, to play? Yeah, I see it like as both, but I don't play CS when I'm not recording. Let's put it that way. So how I yeah. see it is like I limit my time that I'm playing a game. So I'm not playing all day. I mean, the recent Call of Duty, though, I ain't even going cap. Like, I've been playing that a little bit too much. But uh, for CSGO, I limit my play time because then when I do play one game, it is way more fun opposed to playing 10 games a day. And I have a lot more energy. So if if I get into the mindset of recording that one game that I do play or two games, uh, I get a lot more a higher energy because YouTubers usually are themselves on camera, just a little higher energy. And uh, yeah, I don't really have any problems with, with, with video gaming and addiction. Maybe as you said, like when playing Minecraft, I'm just doing too much useless stuff, but yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that for sure. Do you think that like, like, do you feel that, you can play video games for as long as sessions as you always have been able to. This is something I've been asking myself a lot. Like when I was younger, Battlefield 2 was my game. I mean, so much so I got a, I got a tattoo on my leg of, of the logo. And I used to go to my mate's house at like 5 p.m. after school or work. I would play nonstop until 7 a.m., go to sleep. And the only reason I would stop is my brain was so broken down that I just couldn't get frags anymore. I would go to sleep for like four hours, wake up and I just, and I just keep playing again. But I feel now like, you know, that, that was what, 18 years old. I'm 29 now. I feel like after like two games of Dota, I'm more than done after like 45 minutes of, I've been playing a little bit of uh, like that Jedi MMO with my girlfriend, like after an hour, I'm so done. Like I need to get off. Is that, yeah. do, you, do you find similar as well? Um, I'm 21 and I started playing games when I was like, I don't know, ever since a kid, actually, I can't really put an age on it, but I really don't know. I used to play a lot longer, though, but that was Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. And CSGO, I've never really played that long, like in a day. And the most games I've probably played in a day is like 10. But then you're really done with it, to be honest. I can't play Mm -hmm. more than that. It's not like my brain is fried after that, but... Yeah. um, no, not really. I don't don't really uh, have that. I could probably still play long ass times. Yeah, yeah. I've been trying to think about what it is. I don't know if it's the game 
I don't know if it's just getting older mm. and just not wanting to play as much, but I just feel like there's nothing I can do for, you know, I just can't sit in front of a PC for 12 hours and capture it like I can, like I could. Yeah. I think it's just the newness of something. If you were to play VR or something, it's probably like so much new dopamine, so much new things like exciting you because yeah. you're just basically, basically neurologically speaking, your dopamine receptors are just like numbed to what used to be new, like, Mm. video games and stuff it's just super old now plus the fact that when you're playing and let's say you die in a game you're constantly reminded with the facts that you have responsibilities like it's like that is true oh gotta do the laundry and i'm just playing this game like oh no some dumb shit like that yeah that's pretty true actually i i do remember I do remember at one stage being pretty, pretty addicted to Dota 2 and I was a journalist at the time and I remember, I remember writing articles while I was dead in Dota 2, like all right. tapping out. I think that was like peak, like peak video game addiction for me when I was like, okay, I need to, I need to relax this a little bit, <laughs> have wow. a bit of a separation. That's insane. Yeah. This, and this, I mean, that's why I was, I was like a, um, I wouldn't say a pro player. I was like a semi-pro player in, in Counter-Strike and I think that's why I need to, you know, I don't want to call myself Joe Rogan, but I think there's there's something that resonates really well with me. What he says is like he's had to distance himself from Quake because he says when he goes back and plays Quake, he gets into it 100%. And that's why after I quit CSGO, like I don't really play it all anymore because I don't want to get into that again. I don't want to be playing, you know, 30 hours a week while working full-time. Like I, yeah. I got to leave that behind me. That's two full-time jobs. Yeah. Yeah, it was nuts. Would not recommend Try sleeping. Hell no, that's not happening. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's all right to do when you're younger, right? Like when you, yeah. you know, that was 19 to 23, I did that. It's around those ages, so it's all right. But yeah, time catches up, man. So how do you, I mean, how do you balance everything then? You said multiple full-time jobs. So you've got, I mean, what does your plate look like? You've got your personal life, you're lifting some weights, doing some fitness stuff. You know, you're looking yeah. after your health. You've got multiple websites. You're already running some, you're launching. You've got your YouTube business. You do your own sponsorships. You don't, you know, as far as I know, you don't have a manager there either. So how do you, mm-hmm. how do you balance everything? Um, actually, I think uh, YouTubers are quite lazy, to be honest, because making like uploading one video a day probably doesn't take longer than five hours of work a day. If you compare that to hard labor, it's, it's nothing to be honest in work hours, but this is the thing because recording and editing requires a lot of creative energy, which you only have so much of. It's like not comparable yeah. to, you know, uh, like actual, la- uh, like hard labor. So what I like to do is do things that, kind of um, help me boost this sort of creative energy because I want to optimize that and I want to work more, but you get tired out from like this creative energy. And um, the way I kind of go at it is I like to have a set schedule because you don't have a a boss. I don't have a manager or anything. So Mm. I try and kind of build a structure for my own life, which includes, um, well, first of all, eating healthy, um, going to the gym and taking cold showers, for example. Um, yeah, I think those are very important. And my current day, I guess I would describe it as let, let's let's say a perfect day for me would be waking up at around eight to nine a.m. Then mm-hmm. I edit the video that I recorded the day before. Then I go to the gym around 3 p.m. till 4 p.m. I have that scheduled in every day now. Then I get back from the gym and the pre-workout still hit it. So I get home, 
I recorded a little video. That's the that's the recording I edit in the morning then. Yep. But um, I also edit that. I cut that up a little bit. And perhaps I'll do another recording. Sometimes I do one game that I play. Sometimes I do two. And next to that, I'm always on Discord, like managing my uh, websites that I currently run. So two simple websites to be like, Keep it simple. They're just super simple websites. One's affiliate marketing. One is uh, a giveaway hosting platform. And I have uh, put two of my friends on there to manage it for me because <laughs> it's, I don't know, I wanted to give them like jobs as well. And it takes a little bit of work out of my hands and I don't mind giving up a little bit of revenue. So yeah, that's basically what I do. And next to that, I also have a, a new project that I'm working on. I can't speak too much on that, but that's requiring me to uh, have two to three calls a week with the team, just half an hour discussing everything we've done and where we're going and stuff. There's a good, there's a good question in the chat from 92x76. Um, I don't want to ask it, but not, not exactly in the same words they said, but where, where does the motivation come from for you? Because I feel like, um, you know, you, you said that YouTubers are lazy and I think it's true sometimes. Like I think they can, especially when they see success and they start seeing money roll through. And usually I'll see the, a lot of YouTubers, they'll go through like peaks and troughs and usually the trough will be money, money slash view related. So they'll only be super motivated when their views are all at an all time low and the sponsorships yep. have stops rolling in, then they'll just start pumping out videos. They'll reach a high again and they'll stay low. But I mean, you know, one of the reasons why I like, why I like working with you as well as the last two guys I talked to fusion droid and Dantix is you seem to be quite stable throughout the whole time. You've always got, you know, a series of videos coming out. You've got that schedule set. So like what, what keeps you motivated to keep doing that? I appreciate that. Uh, thank you. So, um, what, what motivates me is uh, like, as of recently, I've been thinking, I like uh, two months ago, I was like really thinking to myself, just did a little bit of soul searching, if you'd call it that. And uh, I asked myself, what do I really want to do on YouTube? Because I'm at this point where basically if I uploaded a video a month, I would be able to live off it. And obviously that just means that my, um, actually I could quit YouTube already and still make money not doing anything because of the websites that I currently run because they're passive income. But so money wasn't a motivation for me anymore. So I had to look past that. And that's a little weird because first of all, you start YouTube and you don't know what you're getting into. You get your first big video and suddenly you're able to make money off it. Like, oh, that's new. That's cool. You don't have to, you know, work in a supermarket or something. And then once, once that monetary plan is there or you don't have to work, it's like, well, what did you do before money was ever brought up? It's just like basically mm -hmm. your passion for it. So I thought to myself, well, I still really, really like YouTube and I want to grow that. I want to grow it so big that I don't know. I just want to get a million subs, to be honest. I just want to have like one of the biggest Counter-Strike channels and it's very doable. No one is doing what I'm doing as far as I know. So yeah, if, I don't know, there's always, there's always spots for people at the top. That's what I mm. think. So I'm just going for the top and, uh, that's my current goal. Cause you're, cause you're pretty young. Like, did you have to work hard pre YouTube money? 
or was that kind of your first job that you got into? <laughs> yeah, man, that was the, this is funny because I used to always have like shitty jobs. So when I was 14, I had a paper route. I was a paper boy. So I did that for about a year or something. Yeah. yeah. That was a grind. I mean, good times though. I was listening to some logic back in the days, <laughs> you know, just delivering the papers. It was pretty, pretty all right job, but didn't make shit. Like, what was it? Like, uh, max $150 a month or something. It was pretty decent though. It's, it's some good startup money, but, uh, then I also filled shelves in the supermarket. So just like, what do you call that actually? In in English. Like a, what do, what do we call it? Like a sh- like a stockist or a shelf stacker, people often yeah. call them because you're like stacking yeah. products on shelves. Yeah. That's what I used to do for about a year and a half combined with a job in a laundry, laundromat, laundry laundromat. service. Yeah. yeah. And that was really the, the worst job I've ever had, to be honest. I uh, was working in this laundromat and it was so humid. It was like the hottest week in the Netherlands in the past 12 years or something, I believe. So I, yeah. I legit almost had a stroke i passed out there and it was just like such terrible work i didn't want to do it at all and i uh whatever that was just like that was just pain it wasn't the beginning of my youtube channel though i i did have the struggle of you know real life jobs i guess real life jobs. this sounds so weird because youtube is such a new thing as a job but yeah i used to have regular jobs and had to grind for it oh one thing that really pushed me to never work for a boss again was uh, my internship for my uh, study. That was right before my YouTube channel, uh, quote unquote, blew up. It was, uh, I was working or doing an internship at this uh, video company with just this one man. And it was a half year internship. And I really didn't like going there every single day because basically this man didn't have enough work for me. So he had me at it his personal videos, like him going on a vacation and stuff. I couldn't care less, bro. It was so ass. I was just on my laptop all day. You know, I had premiere open and I was editing in that. First of all, I edited in Sony Vegas. I can't edit in premiere. I don't want to edit in premiere, but I was just constantly all tabbing like YouTube videos and doing stuff for myself. Like, yeah, no, I'm working. I'm working. Yeah. I'm almost over this. I, and he told me, uh, I was his worst intern when I left. After that, I was like, bro, I'm never working for a boss. And I started going hard on YouTube. That's my motivation, I guess. It's like it's like the same as the motivation I talked to about Dantix recently. I think we talked about that before we went live, right? Really? Like his his motivation on YouTube is partly fueled by like fuck the advertising agency I used to work for, essentially. And he'd tell a story about a boss that he hated there, wanted him to do some dodgy stuff about, you know, lying about some accounts or some results that he didn't want to yeah. do. And he's, and he's like, that was the last straw for me. I was like, screw it, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty similar. Yeah, I had a bit, like I got a friend, I can't remember who it was, but I just remember talking to someone a few times and their theory was always that lazy YouTubers slash influencers are born from people who haven't necessarily had real jobs in the past. Like mm-hmm. if you're... 16 and you blow up, you know, like there's so many Minecraft kids that are making $20,000 a month. Um, yeah. You know, or, or probably more so Fortnite kids that are making that money. So like, of course you're out of touch reality. It's like a child star. Like Justin Bieber would know nothing what it's like to be like a normal 18 year old with pimples and no girls like you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's never been that by the time he's 18, he's already sold out 30 stadiums. Yeah. You know? 
it's millions that's of dollars. That's so bank. weird. That's so weird. Yeah, yeah, the 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 real the real grind and the you call it setting stone. I guess like the beginning yeah. is not really there. Like the you have to work hard for your money. It's always something I say as well. Like in this digital age, it's hard to compare it to that, but just want to get it out there. In this digital age, I'm very happy. I grew up in the playground instead of on the explore feed. <laughs> you know, I legit actually went outside, met my friends there, and just we played for hours. Yeah. And no social media, nothing. Because these yeah. days can't go like 10 minutes without their phones. Yeah, that's pretty true. You know, I, I was listening to a podcast or an audio book that was talking about some stuff like that. It was about like, um, I think it was a book called The Millionaire Next Door and The Millionaire Mindset, two different books. And it was studying, you know, people who are self-made millionaires and how they often live simply, but also about how their children, the first generation, especially the second generation, usually screw up because- these people become millionaires by launching small businesses, by owning like five laundromats, by wearing $20 jeans, cutting their hair themselves, driving Toyotas and saving money. But then they don't employ that same strategy on their kids. They tell their kids to go to an American college, sign up for a $300,000 college loan that can't be forgiven and then, you know, not be able to get a job. And I, like, I wonder if that's kind of similar to what you're saying. Like parents want to give their kids a good life. So they give them an iPad, but is that the best thing to do? But I mean, Hey, I'm not a parent. So <laughs> complete polar opposites. That is. Yeah. Sheesh. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you think I like, I would not know. Like imagine watching Gary Vee and being like, okay, he's done that successful. I'm going to do the literal opposite. Mm-hmm. Like it's probably not the best idea. You should probably copy what successful people do. Right. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. I mean, it's set set uh, structure to find out, uh, like to get to do what are, what already works. But if you go off path yeah. and you find something new, yeah, you might you might just find a gold mine. So is that so? Is that your motivation then to never have those shitty jobs again? Like paper out, laundromat, internship, editing some guy's selfie videos on holiday. <laughs> well, that used to be my motivation. That's that. Okay, so this is what I think is super important. I think uh, Jordan Peterson said this. He said, you have to have a goal where you're going and you have to be, have something you're running away from. Because a lot of people can set a goal, yeah, right. but they don't know what they're running away from. So sometimes you might lose motivation for your goal and you might lose track of that. But then you look back and you look at where you don't want to go and you make sure you run away from that. So the jobs is what I'm running away from for sure. Never going back to that. But the goal I'm running towards is something beyond me, way beyond me. Something I can't put into words, basically. Yeah, right. That makes sense. Something like so a funny... big, like. Do you watch? Do you watch the UFC at all? You went to MMA at all? I've seen a few things, but no, no. Yeah, there was a funny story like that from this guy called Tony Ferguson, who's um, he's like a he's like a meme himself. And there was a thing about that. They were doing hill sprints at three AM, and Tony Ferguson's just got a bigger gas tank than everyone else is just so fit and don't exactly know why but it just reminds me of like what you're running away from they were doing hill sprints and he was lapping people but he was running after guys being like i'm gonna kill you like making them run faster up the hill (laughs) (laughs) that makes sense you gotta run from something right it's not just the motivation to get fitter it's the motivation to not be dust choked by tony ferguson (laughs) yeah that's a good thing to run away from same as doing a marathon when you have to take a shit I mean, you want yeah. to finish the marathon so faster. 
Yeah, either fast or you want to walk slow. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought we'd be talking about today for sure. You know, there was a, there's an interesting uh, comment here on LinkedIn that I wanted to address as well from someone. So I'll, I'll read it out and I'd be interested to see your response. So it's from, from okay. AJ uh, Jellico. I hope I pronounced his last name right. But he said, man, he said, man, I admire you. As a digital marketing manager and a gamer all my life, having freedom to go wild on content design, letting creativity raging is the best. What would you like? What, like, what are your what are your first thoughts about that comment about from someone who's obviously kind of stuck, you know, working in a in a corporate job, wanting to be more mm-hmm. creative? Yeah. Okay. So, honestly, you have it's it's hard it's hard to say this because I don't know how much hours he's working a day and stuff. But you really should look at like what are you doing in your free time? If you really want to get out, you're gonna have to do more than what you're already doing because. You have a lot of hours in a day and like more gurus say this, right? Like you have so many hours in a day, mm. just uh, spend one hour every single day working on your passion. It, you won't, you won't get paid at the start, but you know, eventually uh, it, it will spiral into something bigger and bigger and you will get out of the place you're currently in. Yeah. I think part of my answer too is, is you can quite often spin your job towards what you want to do. Like when I, like before I got my first job in this industry, I was working for, I was volunteering for a company called net game radio that did like online. It's, it was like an online gaming radio station. It's before Twitch, before Justin TV. Cause you know, internet wasn't fast enough to broadcast. So we did like shout casting of tournaments over radio, essentially over internet radio. And the way that I built my skills is literally I just said to them like, hey, guys, you don't do Counter-Strike Source. Can I do it? And they said, yeah, if you want to do it, you can go exactly. and do it. And, it. and then I said, hey, I want to review games, but I'm not that – I don't have enough money to buy them. I'm like 17 years old working at KFC, so I want to review Flash games. And I'll do it every fortnight. They're like, well, if you want to do it, you can do it. And then I said, um, well, we've got some sponsors and there's a bunch of land parties that are happening. If we promote land parties and they promote us, we'll help them to get more people. They'll help us to get more listeners. And they said, same story, Chris, if you want to do it, go and do it. And then, you know, just kind of went from there. And I find like, as a, like as long as your boss has some sort of entrepreneurial mind, you know, I'm a business owner as well. Like if a staff member comes to me and says, Chris, I want to do this thing. I think it's going to help us. Like I'm going to listen to them. And as long as you can Mm -hmm. make a good case, like as long as it's not going to lose me a ton of money, um, doesn't even have to right. make me money. As long as it's a cool idea and it's not going to lose me a bunch of money, and it has some sort of plan towards it, like I'm, I'm most likely going to say yeah. Especially if it only takes a couple of hours out of their time to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. When you said like that thing about Counter Strike Source, you're you're solving the problem. You see an open market for something. You look at their product, and you look well. I have a great expertise in X. And you're missing this and I can bridge the gap and make your company flourish because I'm, yeah. I'm just solving a problem. If you, I like to always think to myself, I could basically succeed in every single company that I would work for just by observing what's going on. Probably need like two to three months to completely investigate myself into the business because I don't know anything about uh, just, just a random topic. Let's say I work in a business where you uh, do you have to book flights or something, right? I wouldn't know anything about it. Just have to, uh, invest myself into it for two to three months. And then perhaps I, uh, can 
uh, look for problems and w- look for ways to optimize the, this business. You know, that's mm. kind of the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mindset as well, I guess, uh, where you just constantly look for problems that you want to solve them. Because honestly, the biggest money is being made in solving problems and uh, bridging gaps and making connections by in between things that weren't there before. Yeah, that is true. That is true. And I, I guess like changing topics slightly as well and seeing a lot of stuff come through, like as a, this is probably another question for LinkedIn people. How, like as a YouTuber, how do you connect with your fans? Uh, what I you, think is, oh, yep. go on, sorry. No, you, no, go, no, you go for it. Uh, what I think is super important. And I always look at this uh, as the most important thing is comments. I, I don't say it enough in my videos because this does boost my comments a lot. I always say like, yo, I read the comments guys. Uh, I did that in my last video. My comments went up by a ton and I love reading comments because I'm always refreshing and I see the likes and I see the views. And obviously I care about that because that's basically people like the video and how well it's performing in the algorithm, but the comments are something more personal. And I thought, well, how can I expand on this? And that is by basically growing a discord community. So that way I sometimes join the voice chat and I just say, what's up to the people and then you actually get to talk to them. And it's weird because sometimes people just completely Sil- go silent and like oh, no way matt this is really you and i'm like yeah it's well yeah i'm just matt but whatever uh that that's yeah. just interesting like that way of connecting to your fans is really really important to me yeah yeah and i i find that too on you know because i guess for those people who are following here you know from from your youtube posts that haven't that have zero idea who i am so i for their reference i create a lot of content on linkedin like that's my platform because most linkedin content to put it nicely is terrible. Mostly is just business people who have no idea how to make content, just posting shitty fake stories and lots of hashtags and pretending they know about stuff, gassing themselves up, you know, with like humble brag stories and just weird, a lot of weird stuff on there. And it's part of the teething issues of being new. But I, I find very similar too, you know, not only just for the algorithm boost, but also to, for people to feel like they're connected is I'll always reply to like as many comments that come through as possible. Mm-hmm. But the thing that's hard for me, and I guess you do live streams too, is I'm seeing all of these comments come in from your fans and I want to reply to every single one. But if I don't, I mean, if I do, we're not going to talk about anything at all. Yeah. So like, how do you, how do you balance that between like being available to them, but not like being the slave to, you know, a hundred thousand people that want to talk to you all the time. Well, that's a thing. You also want to make sure that is some sort of an attraction point as, as, um, when, when you get something, when you really want something and you get it, then eventually, well, well, what's the point in wanting it? Because you've already gotten it. So if someone yeah, really wants to talk to you, then that's fine. Like that's one thing, but you can't reply to every single one because if you do that, well, what's the point? Because then you're not really exclusive anymore. Right. That's also mm-hmm. a thing. So they're going to expect it too. Right. If you, if you reply yeah. to everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, uh, I don't know. I think the exclusivity thing explains it pretty well. Like you don't want to be available to everybody basically. Yeah. So what you're yeah. saying is you basically got to play hard to get. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. But also yeah. Um, I like getting more personal on my second channel and people that really want to get to know me, they'll find that channel and they deserve it. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting comment for sure. I guess like, you know, a thing that resonated with me, right? Like something that happens all the time in business, especially on LinkedIn, everyone wants a coffee meeting. Everybody wants just a short 15 minutes of your time to get to know you. And mm-hmm. when I first started running my own company, I fell for that trap. And my old, um, like one of our investors who was also our 
vice president of business development was like, Chris, you need to do less meetings. You're not getting any work done. Cause all mm-hmm. I was doing was meeting people, drinking way too many coffees or <laughs> having you know hour long calls wasted where at the end of the call, it's like, yeah, we should definitely do something together. And then yeah. you know, the narrator is like, and they will not. <laughs> I'm not on LinkedIn at all. I don't know about that, but yeah, it seems like yeah. a lot of people just, just want to leech off your energy and waste your time. Just kind of get inspired and, I don't know really what that whole world is like on LinkedIn. Like, do people really leech that bad of your like expertise, I guess, or what, what is they the point of like calls? What do they call it? There's a, there was a term, there was a term for it um, in, in the show Silicon Valley. They call it brain rape. That uh. happens sometimes in esports where people just want free information out of you. It happens a bit in media as well. Like I see influencers, in the sense of like media influencers. So they do content, yeah. but also they work for like Kotaku or something like that. They talk about that a bit. Everybody wants to like the thing that, that makes my eye twitch is pick your brain. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to pick your brain for free. And they're exactly. like, Hey, I'll even pay for the coffee. It's like, cool. That's $3.50. Mm-hmm. Or for me, you know, I'm, I'm a cheap ass. So that's a dollar seven eleven. So like, you know, that, that doesn't pay for my 250 US an hour for our consultancy rate. And yep. I've got a business to run. <laughs> so I got staff mm-hmm. to pay for, you know, some of my staff, they don't live at home anymore. They've got, you know, they've got their own money to pay. And that's a responsibility for me. Like you said, with your mates, right? Like I feel the responsibility yeah. to be able to continue my business to fund my staff to live. So that happens. It happens all the time. But I guess like the, the same kind of thing would be if you were just like, well, shit, I need to pay attention to my fans. They love me. I need to spend four hours in discord every day playing counter-strike matches with them. But all of a sudden you've spent four hours playing games that you, that you haven't recorded and you haven't mm-hmm. edited. And then you can kind of spiral from there. Yeah. It seems like time wasted. If yeah. I'd get into a LinkedIn call, I'd be like straight up. What can you help me with? Quick, get it out there quick. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, no I can coffee, see no coffee. We're doing espresso shots here, boy. Let's get it done. <laughs> I can see somebody in my chat who who um that's basically what she does for me. So I I hired a virtual assistant to do a couple of hours every morning that basically triages my LinkedIn messages. That's one of her main yeah. jobs. I think she just tweet about that a few months back. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, so you get spammed by bots too much, so you hired someone to actually go through those messages for you. It's not even bots. It's like people as bots. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, and it's no different to you, right? Like I'm sure like so many YouTubers, you just get spammed all day with like, you know, please promote my, you know, random terrible RPG app. I'll give you like one <laughs> yes. cent CPM you yeah. know, and I'll give you a dollar for everyone who downloads it. And you just got to go like, but it takes time. It takes time to like read, delete, read, delete, read, delete. Cause you don't mm-hmm. want to just like control a delete. Cause there might be an offer in there for, you know, 10 K or something that, that yep. you want to actually do. Right. Yeah, pretty similar. So how does, like, you you mentioned, like, you're running a couple of businesses as well, right? Mm -hmm. So can you lay out exactly what those are besides your YouTube channel? Yeah. Okay, let's get into the promotion, boys. Yeah. Let's let's get it. Okay, so basically one website is an affiliate marketing website. And in the Counter-Strike scene, there's a lot of e-gaming companies, a lot of gambling companies and websites. And basically these websites offer you a free bonus when you sign up on the website and you use a certain code. So what I did was I went on all these websites and I put in my code so people can use it. So now there is a website that puts all of these codes into one place. And that is that website, BetRefs. Let's name drop it, boys. BetRefs.com. That's the website. And it's simply a website with advertisements on it for all these different websites. Just a little hub for all of these websites in one place. And then next to that, First of all, 
I make a commission when people actually do uh, gamble on a certain website and use my code. Mm. And then also I get the 100% target audience for the, um, the, the gambling community. So what I can then do with that is also put advertisements on the side, like with banners and uh, the background, for example, I can sell those. So you get about uh, 40,000 visitors a month on a website. So that's pretty decent. And I made a video about this already so I can be open about it. I, uh, on that website, I currently charge like $5,000 a month for uh, advertisements. And on my second website, which is skinaways.com, the name already says it, skin giveaways. So skins are the virtual items in Counter-Strike. You have guns and some guns have a color and uh, those colors are very expensive. And a lot of people like to give these skins away. So I made a website where, well, I didn't make it because I can develop. I uh, can't, uh, I can't do that. I'm not a developer, but <clears throat> simple website where we pick all of the big CSGO pages on Twitter and we go through the Twitter every day. I mean, we, my, uh, the guy who I employed for it goes through all the Twitters every single day, picks out the giveaways that people have put up and he puts them on the website. So people have a one page to go for all giveaways and the, they, they uh, run out with a certain amount of time and that's it. Yeah. And on that website, it's like $3,000 a month for advertisement. So those are, those are passive income for me. And uh, I promote those with my YouTube channel. I currently am uh, expanding it a little bit, working with other YouTubers through promotions in uh, YouTube outros. And that's basically the two businesses, affiliate marketing and a giveaway hosting service. So the, the sponsee becomes a sponsor then. I didn't, I didn't know that. So you're actually paying other YouTubers to promote just exactly yeah. the same as what, what we do with you, with, with Unicorn. Mm -hmm. the, the problem with this yeah. is um, Skinaways and Barras aren't very scalable. They're more of a, well, Skinaways, I'd say is scalable. Barras isn't because a lot of YouTubers like to uh, farm their own mm. codes on websites. So they're not going to promote that. Yeah. Completely agree. Uh, Skinaways, however, doesn't really have a good business model bound to it yet because we don't have a certain paid subscription service for it, such as you can get your giveaway up for X amount of money, mm -hmm. but we don't have a system like that yet. So scaling it is just, I don't know. I uh, really haven't thought about that that much yet. It, uh, it would be scalable though with a system like that set, but right now I just want to get it bigger by uh, getting people to know that you can post your giveaway on there for free. And this is just your place to go for all giveaways in one place. It's funny seeing like, um, you know, I wish, I wish the people on LinkedIn could see the, the Twitch comments because I think they'd be like shocked. It's just funny. Like when a, when a YouTuber talks about like their stuff, all of your fans just start spamming like the skinaways.com, the betrest.com. Like, it's just funny. Cause I, cause I have to operate in those two worlds, right? I like being mm -hmm. like a translator all the time. And it just makes me laugh because, you know, business people can be so serious all the time and you get stuck into that. And then when you get to talk to someone like you and you see like the fans come in, like it's, it's refreshing <laughs> quite mm -hmm. often reading all these comments coming through. I see the comments. Shout out to the chat. Yeah. And it was, it was interesting. Um, you know, that, that comment about best, 
about bet rest and skin away. So like you said, it's, it's a hundred percent your target audience, right? So for those people who don't know, you've got a CSGO YouTube channel where quite often you talk about gambling, skins, wagering, et cetera. And then mm-hmm. you've got two supplemental, you know, websites that when people are finished watching your video about gambling, they can go click on a referral. If they finish watching a video about unboxing skins, they can do, do that. So it's almost like in really easy to explain It's that Tesla model of Tesla make the cars. They also make the batteries for the car and the house and then the solar that can also power the house. So yeah. every level they've got covered, they're making the batteries to themselves or they can sell the batteries to other people. So you're mm-hmm. making the videos for your fans or if someone's not even a fan of you and they hate you, they can still go to your Skinaways website to win a skin or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It goes beyond me. It's a product that goes beyond me. So that's yeah. a very important, I was just like, well, I can take sponsors from people or I could just become the sponsor and uh, work like that. Well, obviously these two products aren't as big as the sponsors I get because the sponsors I get are um, like big gambling websites, basically very scalable, yeah. very profitable. So this own project is very nice to have a passive income, but I still take sponsorships from uh, from other websites. And basically the, the gambling scene is very big in Counter-Strike because of the uh, the skin aspect of it and the case opening aspect within the game. Yeah. Very, very big market. And I mean, that's another question. So what, so what do you think of gambling as a whole? Like, do you have a tussle with the, you know, potential thoughts of, of people spending too much money on gambling and you being like a person that pushes people towards that? Like, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. So I I can, I can say that I'm currently working on my own gambling website and getting it developed. We're actually almost close. We're almost done uh, with the website. So this is the first time I'm ever delving into this. But what I think is super important is getting people to know that gambling is really addictive and none of the websites out there seem to actually care about their users in that way because, well, it's an easy money grab. So why would you? But I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to be the best website with the best and most fun game mode, because this is the first thing we, we solved, like, why would users go to our website opposed to others? So we made sure we had the best mm-hmm. game mode. Then I thought of ethical reasons because a friend of mine is very big on that. And it really put me to, okay, so this might sound weird, but I was just like one morning, I was like, damn, I'm going to just take some shrooms, go into the forest and go just really think about this. And I came back with the conclusion, <laughs> and I don't recommend anyone doing this, by the way, <laughs> but... um. I came to the conclusion I need to have an a ethical gambling website because this is solving a problem. Because first of all, I thought, okay, so I'm going to be taking other websites' users and bring them to mine. What would make my website a better environment for that user? And why would my website actually be more ethical than another site? So I thought to myself, okay, we have a mascot on our website. I want this mascot to represent fun and safe gambling as far as you can gamble safe. Um, So we'll have limits on the website. You can only deposit this amount a day and you can set that up yourself. And the mascot constantly reminds you that with like uh, instructor messages, basically make sure gambling stays fun. Make sure you set a uh, deposit limit before you start playing and that kind of stuff. Next to that, I want to, turn over a profit of the website uh, towards charity. That's kind of the ethical aspects of a gambling website. As far as you can get it, talk about ethics when it comes to gambling. Hmm. 
That's that's interesting. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I know that, like, I know we've done a lot of work together before with Unicorn, and I know that they implement a lot of those those betting limits as well for the similar reasons you were talking about. You know, talking to one of my friends who works there, even from a business sense, it's if I bankrupt my fans, how are they going to use my website? Like, if I ruin their life by giving me money, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's pretty short term thinking. It's kind of like cigarettes. You know, you you're actually killing your customers. <laughs> Yeah. So like you're not going to have customers for a long time because you're literally killing them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're not going to be able to be around again. So yeah, that, that makes sense to me. So it's, it's pretty interesting. Like, you know, once again, you're coming that full circle, I guess, where you're, you're the sponsee, you're the sponsor, and now you're, you know, not just making affiliate websites, you're, you're doing it all yourself. Is there, is there a concern from you that you're going to lose that revenue from the current sponsors that are coming through? Because obviously you can't, um, own a website and be promoting other ones at the same time. I could, but the master plan is for that to set me financially free. Talking about millions, baby. Billions. <laughs> um, I don't even know what I'm going to do with that money. In my mind, I'm already there. But okay, so what I think is, well, the master plan's always been, I take the sponsorship money and I use that towards building my smaller projects, which now generate just income for me. Those projects made even more income plus the amount of money I made on YouTube advertisements. And I put all of that money towards the project I'm currently working on. And I just talked about. Yeah. And if, well, I'm going all in. There's no, uh, yeah, basically hundred percent risk. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, and that, that's how you do investment in many other areas, right? Like people will like, there's a, is an interesting thing I remember reading once where it was saying like um, an entrepreneur with multiple income streams, people will call that risky. But the answer on the other side could be, well, you've only got one job at a supermarket. Isn't that pretty risky? Because you've mm-hmm. got one source of income that you're feeding your family and your mortgage off. And if you get fired, that's it. But, you know, and the other, and the other aspect to that too is, um, you know, people will put their wage into a house, but then buy one house. And then once they pay that off, buy use that to leverage a second one and use that, to leverage a third one. And that's kind of what you're doing here right now. You're taking one, you know, a group of smaller revenue streams and trying to pump it into a much larger revenue stream together. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you could sit there making your, you know, how, however many grand a month you make at the moment, but it's, um, you know, you, you've obviously got that growth of your channel, but it's not exponential at this stage. So if you really want to get there, you've got to, you've got to save that pool up and then use that pool for something decent. Yeah. Uh, I like to think big, like, as I said, way beyond me, something I can't even put into words yet. Um, like, I just see it as like uh, smaller projects, feelings, another project, and then going from there and leveling up and leveling up. It's kind of like a video game, you know? This this gambling yeah. website will make me like, if you look at gambling websites and how much they make, if this is going to be as successful as I think it will be, it will be uh, like massive. It will genuinely be massive and set me financially free for the rest of my life. But then I have to look at what's the next project. Like, will I start a SaaS company? Will I start like the new Facebook or whatever? Mm. I don't know yet. I just know I need a lot of money for a big project product like that. So that's yeah. the first problem uh, I got to solve. There's a good, there's a good comment here from, from Joel Chippyway. Matt says the kind of guy to gamble on making a gambling website. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, you going to gamble on making a gambling website. Yeah, it's yeah. true. That is yeah, true. I like it. You know that another thing that you said that really resonated with me is you said in my mind I'm already there. 
mm-hmm. you're talking about, you know, making the big bucks. So there's, yeah. there's something else that I've heard a few times and I've talked to my girlfriend about this in length because, um, like some of my friends and family will often say like when I'm rich or when I'm, or sorry, if, if I'm rich or if I'm successful, mm-hmm. but for me, it's never, if it's when there's yeah. no, there's no doubt in my mind at all that I won't, you know, continue working hard and become successful in one form or another. And whether money comes with that, sure, like often it does. But for me, I want to do something, like you said, bigger than myself and to make some sort of change in some area. And I, I think that's an interesting thing. And there was a quote I've been trying to remember where, you know, it's it seems to be quite common within entrepreneurial people or, or successful people in in sport or whatever else. There's no thought of failure whatsoever. Like if you're an if you're an MMA fighter and you're going into the cage thinking that you might lose, generally you will. Like you can't have yeah. any doubts in your mind. You've got to kill or be killed. And I think that happens a lot in business as well. Most of I mean, all of the successful people I know, unless they've just kind of accidentally gone viral, which happens sometimes there's absolutely zero thought in their mind that they're, that they're not going to be successful. And if they fail, they just get on the horse and, you know, they go and do something else because they know that they're just destined to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's all a mindset. Honestly, it's, that goes, that goes way further than, than, um, I don't know. It's just like the, the, the law of attraction and like manifestation and the way you, the, the energy you output to the world is what you get back type thing. So, yeah, if you already think you're there and you're living like you're there, then there's nothing really stopping you from actually getting there. You know, I already think in my mind, I'm a millionaire. I constantly make jokes about it. Like, Oh, CEO billionaire, but yeah. eventually it adds up and uh, puts me into this environment in my headspace where I'm actually like there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the yeah. gym, right? Like exactly. how many dumb people have massive six packs and are ripped? Because literally all they do is is they found one guide where they work out three days a week. They do push-pull yeah. legs. They bought a $150 dietary guide six years ago on Facebook. And mm-hmm. they just follow that to this day. And that, yeah. you know, it's not. Like to get ripped is not rocket science. It just takes discipline. It just, you mm-hmm. don't eat, eat over your calories. You just go and do basic compound lifts. You know, you could literally do it just by squatting, benching, overhead pressing, deadlifting. You know, yeah. You know, don't even have to do bicep curls and you can get ripped. And that's all you have to do. But people love to, I guess it's society, right? People love to complicate it. They love to sell their 20 step plan and their fat burners and, mm-hmm. you know, you can eat whatever you want and still get fit and all this kind of stuff where if you just rock up every day, I mean, I, I do jujitsu like a combat sport, you know, and it's quite an often thing that people say there is that if someone beat you, they're not better than you. They've just done jujitsu for longer, which yep. seems pretty true. It's like, and that's what I found when I've had to take breaks due to work. I'm trash bags, but the people who started the same time as me, or even people who started later than me, they're better than me because I get to go on average one and a half times a week and they're going three days a week. Mm-hmm. Oh, what happened? Is this the stream froze guys. I'm all, I'm all alone here. I don't know what to talk about. Just kidding. I do. I don't know when Chris will be back, but back. Oh, you're back. Yo, what's I'm back? I took over the host a little bit. Hey. A, little scary, a little scary. Some problems with some problems with Australian internet, man. We're a first world country, but we've, we've literally, we've literally got third world internet. So ah, that sucks. Yeah, part of the, the fiber. Yeah, got to get that fiber, man. No, we've we've got pretty terrible. We're something like we're something like seventieth in the world 
for average internet speed per 70. member of population. Yeah, yeah. There's literal third world countries that are ahead of us. That is actually in, messed up. Yeah, which is the opposite for you in the in the dreamland of, <laughs> of the Netherlands. EU, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that convo that we started before this as well, when I asked you, um, why, why is it the Netherlands? Because there isn't the Australia. There isn't, mm-hmm. I guess there is the United Kingdom. So there is another one. Oh, yeah. The United States, but that's not a country. Yeah. No, who else? I mean, uh, who else puts the before yeah. anything? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Is it talk about your, uh, your topic about like, uh, you can buy a guide and, uh, yeah. get, get, like it doesn't take rock size. It's, it's, it's super simple to uh, get it goes somewhere people like to overcomplicate it because they have found like a twist to it that works for them and stuff. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I think you should keep things super, super simple and just narrow it down to the basics and master that. And then, yep. yeah, obviously there's personal tweaks you're going to add to that formula. And then those are probably the things people are going to sell to you. Those personal tweaks that everybody works different. I've always, I've always thought about this, right? Here's a, here's a question for you. So people will often grow or at least maintain size on YouTube and Twitch by playing with other friends who are big. So, mm-hmm. you know, Ninja will play with Nick Merckx or whatever, you know, things like that. And they'll, they'll do a fan share across each other. What's stopping yep. a brand from doing that? What's stopping a brand from employing someone to be the face of them and literally paying you to play with them, to fan transfer, paying Ninja to play with them? Would, would that be a successful model, do you reckon? With a company, like promoting something yeah. or... Yeah, or even just a person who's got a person who saved up $20,000 and they're like, I want to be a famous Twitch streamer. Mm-hmm. I don't want to start from zero. I want to pay Matt CS $300 an hour to play with me on my first ever stream. My second mm-hmm. stream, I'm going to pay Scribe from CSGO to play with me. The third one, I'm going to pay Scream CSGO yeah. Legend to play with me and then to grow off there. Do you reckon, do you reckon that would ever work for someone individual? 100%. Depends on how you distribute the content and what you do with it. Because if you make videos out of it, you mean you can stream? That's going to be garbage. Because that's not yeah. going to get you much views. But if you make that into videos and content... Uploaded everywhere, definitely worth the ROI. What I think is super important is that, well, obviously you can play with big names and you can grow off that. But if your content is shit, your content is shit. You have yeah. to have some sort of a USB, a unique selling point for people to go to you instead of others. If you just, if your whole selling point is, well, I play with, with these people, then you're going to lose traction. You got to have something for people to stick to for your yeah, that's true. Health. Happens with celebrities, right? Like, like we get, um, I feel like every week there's a new rapper, there's a new, you know, football player. There's a new, whatever artist DJ that wants to come into gaming and esports. Yeah. And they want to become, you know, it's, it's, Hey Chris, my client or me personally is thinking about becoming a Twitch streamer. Can you just hook us up with a casual $15,000 streaming setup? And then, you know, we'll be famous and making big dollars. And it's like, it's just not, it's not going to happen because like you said, the, the content is likely to be trash. And from my experience, like we had, um, I can see there's a couple of Aussies. There's one guy in the, in the chat that's saying he's Aussie. So he'll probably know this name, Shane Warne. So Shane Warne's like the second highest wicket taker in cricket of all time. So pretty big name in there. But he, you know, we had him playing Fortnite and it was okay, but you know, he's pretty much a boomer and he barely knows how to aim and move at the same time. Yeah. And once it wore off, the fact that Warney was on the sticks, 
you know, people didn't want to watch anymore. You know, mm-hmm. it peaked viewers and then people were like, I'm over it now. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you need that content to back it up. He's straight up trash. Nobody's going to watch someone who's trash and not funny at something he does. You yeah, know, thankfully it was funny. Watch him yeah. play cricket for hours, 100%, because he's amazing yeah. at it. But, yeah, if he's, if he's shit at Fortnite, then, hey, nobody to, nothing to see there. Look, I am pretty yeah. terrible at Counter-Strike. I'm very average. Um, Gold Nova 3, which is like the exact middle rank of Counter-Strike. But I just know how to edit my videos a certain way. I know how to present myself a certain way, which... If I were just to upload my gameplay, it would be the video would be a three out of ten, mm. and that is like on the low scale, like not a one out of ten as in as in performance wise. But um, actually, that doesn't make sense. What I just said, I'm really talking about the YouTube uh, analytics page, page. It shows you how well your video is performing. One out of ten is perfect. Ten out of ten is shit. But awesome. okay, so in a in a rating in a rating way, my my skill is like a three. My uh, acting or the way I present myself is like an eight. And the way I edit is, let's say, a 10. I really like my editing. Uh, I'll put it at a nine to humble myself a little bit. <laughs> but um, that balances out. So personality and uh, the way you go about your content is very important to me. Yeah, that's pretty true. And I guess, and I guess it's probably another great topic. I mean, for anyone who's in the Twitch chat that wants to start creating content or anyone watching on LinkedIn or the business people really is about that. It's like, you don't have to be the best player because it's a common misconception for people in business that Twitch streamers are pro players. They're not Mm -hmm. like Ninja is better. Like Ninja's probably, you know, you could say top 5% in the world for Fortnite. So he's better than 95% of people that are watching him, but still he's got nothing on the actual pros. Mm-hmm. Who, are, who are playing the game. But sometimes, you know, like you said, your rank is like what? Solid middle of the pack? 50th yep. percentile or, you know, 60th percentile or whatever, um, you know, in, in everyone. But it's it's the the value that you bring is is through your humor. And you can see that. I mean, you can see that from the Twitch chat, right? Like everyone's commenting like inside jokes and that kind of stuff. Yeah. When we first started, everyone's like spamming CEO. Before you talked about BetRest, everyone's spamming the BetRest link in the chat <laughs> and things like that too. So you got to resonate with your fans some way, right? Yeah, super important to find out what you can do. So like one of the other things I want to talk to you about is like the sponsorship because this is like, this is how we know each other. Mm -hmm. Um, So for quite some time, we've been advertising with our client Unicorn through you. So Unicorn, U-N-I-K-R-N, a wagering company globally, offices in Australia, Berlin, um, the US, et cetera. They've got some interesting modes game modes that they do, you know, because most gambling websites are just you bet on team A to beat team B, but they've tried to do some different stuff like you bet on yourself with you mode, which we've done. But the structure of the deal is what I want to talk about. So with with Unicorn and, and a lot of other gambling websites, they pay really good referral rates. So if anyone signs up using your code and deposits $10, that's the trigger, you get a good amount of referral. And, and mm-hmm. like, I don't think I can say the number, but compared to other brands I've worked with who aren't in gambling, it's even up to a hundred X more than what other brands will pay um, for, for a referral. But Mm -hmm. it's been really hard to convince YouTubers to do it because if you're paying a really high referral rate, you usually want to pay a low upfront rate. Yeah. And it's been really hard in the past with, you know, I've had to go through month and a half negotiation processes before for like coaching the, the, the manager because the manager just wants to get that money up front to show their YouTuber that, Hey, I've got you a pretty $15,000 deal. They don't want to come mm-hmm. through and be like, I've got a deal that's under your asking price, but you can potentially make a bunch more money. So like what, 
what made you want to want to go with that deal? Was the potential payoff of the conversions coming through like something interesting to you? You just want to try out the brand? Like what's your motivation there? First of all, the as you said, the product of Unicorn is very unique. Like you can bet on yourself. I see that as a way to make my videos entertaining. So it definitely is a very it's a, it's a very good fit for my content. That first of all. If it wasn't, then I wouldn't have taken the sponsor in the first place. And what I also think is important is when you compare it uh, upfront payments uh, opposed to, uh, let's say, a referral pays you this amount of money. Mm. An upfront payment is nice and is good in the short term. But in the long run, I think it's way more important to build a relationship with a sponsor you actually think is great and has a great product. You see David Dobrik do this with, um, what is it, SeedGeek? He's been working yeah. with them for such a long time and they've built a great like, you know, thing together. And I think that is very important. And then an upfront payment kind of eliminates a YouTuber or a content creator to have passion for the product they're working with. Because if you give them an upfront payment, it's like, well, that's easy money, bro. Just put a, like a 30 second clip in my video, easy money. But if you actually have to have people sign up to a product that you genuinely like as a content creator, then it takes, like, you actually have to like the product to do that, you know? Yeah. And as a content creator, you have to be more put on the mindset of wanting to invest in yourself in the long term because those referrals might not pay at all. You actually have to put in effort to make the video great, like the best. And you can't just put an advertisement on a shitty video because the results yeah. will like. That's pretty true. You know, like another thing you said, like that David Dobrik one, I know a group of guys that you're know, like an influencer collective that's been working with a brand and, you know, they loved working with them where the brand stopped paying them for a short amount of time. They kept, they kept promoting them. And now the brand has given them equity in that company because they've been so significant to the revenue and the uplift of that company. It's kind of like, well, you know, should we continue paying you guys $200,000 a year? Or should we just give you 1%, 2%, 5% of the company to continue that on, you know, release some special products with us and, you know, join in ongoing, which definitely makes sense. Because yeah. for my, like the reason why Unicorn brought me on, a lot of it is they were just like, Chris, it's too hard. It's too hard to find the right YouTuber and YouTubers and Twitch streamers to work with. And I was like, man, this is going to be, this is going to be easy. It's going to be so easy. It was not <laughs> like I had, I had yeah. like month and a half negotiation processes with people. I had, you know, these two people who are quite big on Instagram and Twitter that we tried to work with who converted like one did three signups, one did zero. We had to pay them a bunch of money. I had some other people yeah. sign the contracts and then after like sign the contract and then they're supposed to deliver the, the Twitch stream one week after the first Twitch stream is meant to happen. They're like, yeah, I don't want to anymore. <laughs> Not yeah, the everybody's so lazy when it comes to this money. If you, yeah. man, YouTubers are just some bitches. <laughs> they just do lazy, bro. You can't be let, you can't be letting that money just lay around like that. Go after it, man. Like, yeah. And don't treat the short term. Like, yeah, it's a nice, Go get that short-term bag, but also invest in something that you truly believe in. Like there's tons of companies out there reaching out to you that might not pay the most upfront, but are a genuine good product. And I've made more of Unicorn from one single video than I have from any other 
payment I've gotten from uh, CSGO sponsor from the same deal that we made. Just yeah. because the video did so well, because I genuinely liked the product. I was able to make a great video. I believed in it and I still believe in it. And it just converts well. It's super interesting. Yeah. That's what, yeah. 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 Well, it's definitely working. Like, like for people watching, I think the last payment we sent to you, um, I think as a whole, you tripled your payment because of referrals versus what the upfront was. So Mm -hmm. if the, if the upfront was a thousand, you made 3000 essentially because of that. So it worked in the end. And it's because of the same thing. Like you put, you know, you put extra work in and and when you only needed to do um, a sponsored video, you also put an ad roll in there. Sometimes when you only needed to do an ad roll, you did you were like, screw it, I'm just going to do a whole sponsor video. Or once you even, you're like, I'm just going to do a live stream and record that and then upload that as a video. Then you weren't paid to do that live stream, but it was just all part of that. But the conversion mm-hmm. works like exactly because you said that. Yeah. I wonder, exactly. like, I've, I've seen two different mentalities with YouTubers. One is yours, which is whenever someone offers you money, just take it. And I've seen other ones where YouTubers are like, I've got a rate and if I get offered anything below... 10%, 5% of that rate, I'm not going to take it mm-hmm. at all. And I've talked to my mate Kieran about this. Kieran runs an influencer agency, um, super successful. He's like 19 years old. He's already bought his dream car. He's, he's, he's setting up a property business now. It's ridiculous. And he was, he was of the opinion the same as you, where he talked to a YouTuber and they wanted to make, it was like a year-long agreement and they wanted to make $275,000 and he was offering them two hundred and fifty. And they sabotaged the entire deal over twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, over that twenty five grand, they said it's either two seventy five or zero. And mm-hmm. he was like, "Well, this is two hundred and fifty more than you're making right now, which is zero. You, I understand that you think you can sell every video, but you can't sell every single video. So take the money, like when it's mm-hmm. in front of you. What, like, where does that mentality come from for you? Is it because you're building towards that higher purpose? Like, take those dollars while you can. Well, I don't necessarily take money on every single video I make because sometimes I uh, promote my own websites, which makes significantly less money than I would make from an actual uh, established website sponsor. But I think it's just stupid to not take money when, when you're able to because you don't know how long this is going to last. I was in the CSGO community when gambling sites were absolutely outperforming any other community out there like CSGO skins used to be instantly tradable. You used to be able to send them back and forth in an instant. And then suddenly they got banned. Like you can only trade them every, every seven days. So after that happened, there was a huge crash in the market and all sponsors suddenly were gone because they couldn't deliver the skins. Yeah. Simply that problem. And that kind of made me realize that take the money while it's there, but make sure that the product is also good. Like there's tons of emails I get every single day from sketchy Russian gambling websites that don't look good. And I don't know, they're just overall bad websites, but they can, they can pay me a lot of money, but I don't take it because I just don't believe in their product. Yeah. There's so many crypto gambling websites out there, right? Yeah. True. That are shit. You can trust anyone. Yeah. 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 I remember one approaching us to work with them and just being like, what's the, what's the likelihood this is a scam and I'm going to be scamming YouTubers and scamming their fans just by getting them involved together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's something you have to look out for as well. You don't want to be promoting a straight up scam. Yeah. Well, one, one thing I want to talk to you about is, so you said you want to, you want to do a road to a million subscribers. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you build that? Cause you're, cause you're obviously growing 
right now? How do you accelerate that that growth? Oh, so I turn off my subscribers on my YouTube channel. <laughs> and I just tell people to my videos to subscribe. I just uh, turn them off and I say, like, guys, I literally have zero subscribers. Please subscribe. Come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> That's why there was, that's why there was comments in the chat. Then some people were asking about how many subs do you have, and I was thinking it's obvious, isn't it? Yeah, it's on his channel, obviously not. It's such a big speculation. If people don't know what it is, then they they come back and they keep coming back. I know at a million they'll know, but that's true. In between every now, time, and- every time you see a YouTube video where comments are turned off, or like a Reddit thread where comments have been deleted, all you with every fiber of your being, all you want to know is what the comments are. Mm-hmm. That's all you want to know. Yeah. Exactly. When I go to a YouTube video, I always scroll down to the comments. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, another another thing, I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts about this. Listen to this book by Seth Godin, who's kind of like a marketing god. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It's his latest book that he's got. I listened to on Audible. But he was saying something that reminds me so much of influencers or wannabe influencers and also esports teams, which is people need to focus on their first 50 customers. They're all too interested in what their millionth customer will be. And yeah. the what I've told to some Twitch streamers who have five concurrent viewers is ask those five people why they follow you, why they keep going back, and ask those five people to tell five friends, hey, Matt is the sickest. He's got zero subs. Go sub to him. I love his videos, betrefs.com. And then it's exponential from there. It's, you know, it's it's that's that's where the growth comes from. So do you... Like, I mean, what do you think of that? Do you, do you do anything like that as well? Um, wait, can you reformulate the question? Like, so essentially, essentially, it's like um, people are people are too concerned about their millionth customer and how they're already going to be big and famous and how they're going to buy their third island and they're going to expand to Italy with their office, but they're not focusing on their core customer base, keeping them happy, but also using them as test subjects and saying to them, A, why do you come back to me? So you can keep creating right. content they like, but B why don't you tell your friends about me? So if you like me, like your friends will probably like me too. Like, do you, do you do anything like that at all? I don't do like the, the mouth to mouth promo. I guess that's what it's called. Yeah, like, something like that, I guess. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I literally translated that from Dutch, but um, what I think is super important though, is focusing on your first customers. Yeah, for sure. Because those are the people who got you where you are in the first place. Like really listen though. The best way to uh, talk to people I always think is the best way to talk to people is to really uh, listen and just understand what they want and then serving them. Because basically I see YouTube as a business and the viewers are my customers. So what do my customers want? How do I make it so they get the best product that they're subscribing for, even though it's a free product, you know, um, still, still worthy of their time. How do I make that worth it? So I read the comments. I take that feedback into, uh, you know, I take that with me and I check the topics, what they want to see. And I double down on that. Do you get like, um, like you said, you read your comments a lot. Do you read the negative ones as well? How, like, how do you, how do you take those on board? Do you take content suggestions from, from the comments as well? Because there's yeah. two questions in there. Yeah. For sure. I, uh, I get negative comments, but not that many, to be honest. Like they're mostly like about Matt, you kind of suck at the game. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> um, nah, I don't really, uh, get that much negative comments about so, like stuff that I take to heart, I guess. 
but yeah. there's there's quite there's quite some good feedback comments. There's so much shit though. There's a lot of shit comments that uh, that don't bring any value, but they're just people who comment to comment, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, you get that a lot. I mean, you get that in person in the gaming industry sometimes. Like I'd be running booths and people would come up and they'd start the conversation with a statement. Hmm. And I think you, f- you find that in comments a lot as well. Some people just want to be heard, right? Like they don't have another way to be heard. They want their opinion. And especially if they can get a, you know, a famous person they look up to like you to reply to them. Like that's, that's a dream for some people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was, you know, and I guess you're the same, exactly the same as what you said is what I've seen in the live chat today. Like there's been a lot of discussion on Twitch. You know, I, I saw one negative comment through throughout the whole thing really, which was just okay. like a stupid throwaway one. But it's, it's interesting, like fostering that, um, fostering that. And a question that I asked Fusion Droid, I want to ask you too, is do you feel, do you feel ownership of your comment section? Do you feel like you have to be a positive person to, to drive that, that discussion? Uh, do I have to be a positive person to drive positive comments or? Yeah. Yeah. So like, how do you, like, how do you feel if, if people are arguing in your comments that is, you know, essentially slinging shit at each other, like monkeys arguing, cause it, it does happen a bit. Like, do you feel some ownership oh, yeah. that like, Hey, this oh. is my channel. I need to, you know, YouTube comment threads and discussions are the worst, bro. Every, <laughs> everywhere you go, you check the comments and there's always people trying to be like, Oh no, this is the right thing. This is the right thing. Fuck you. Like that kind of stuff. Nah. Yeah. I know it's none of my responsibility. It's just up to people themselves individually. But if the first comment is what sparked someone to be angry and that first comment has to do with me, then yeah, I'm going to take that into accountability. But other than that, it's just people trying to prove to some uh, non-provo picture Andy that they're better than them. <laughs> that's what that <laughs> comments are. Threads at least. You know what's nuts about YouTube versus any other platform, like any other social media, is the name calling starts instantly. Yeah. From the first from the first bit of argument, the name calling, the they the people you can just see them sweaty hands smashing the keyboard as hard as they can, foam it at the mouth instantly. It's crazy. Yeah. I saw there was a um a guy called Ryan um or Fwiz is his gaming name. He's like the head of gaming content at YouTube. He posted on LinkedIn today. I didn't, all I read was the headline, but they apparently YouTube's rolling something out. That's like pushing people to generate more positive conversation. So I don't yeah. know if that means it's going to be an upvote downvoting. I mean, I'm just guessing at this stage cause I haven't read what it is, but I'm going to Google that afterwards, but it's going to okay. be interesting to see. Yeah. Because YouTube is definitely very toxic content, uh, uh, community on, uh, yeah. Depends, obviously, the content you bring, but in the comment sections, usually, yeah, very toxic. Yeah, yeah, true. So, I mean, what's what's coming up next for you in the immediate future? So, you've got a YouTube channel, you've got two businesses, you're lifting weights, you're launching one soon. Any mm-hmm. anything else on your radar? What's the what's the timeline look like for for what you're what you're launching? Can you talk about that? Yeah. So, what I'm planning for YouTube right now is keep on going with the daily uploads. I'm currently doing sub daily, fourteen uploads a, a month Damn. on the Main channel, uh, I've ramped it up to about 14 to 20, not doing daily yet, but I'm working towards it. And I'm doing a daily video on my second channel. So combined, that is about 50 uploads a month, 40 to 50, which is an, a lot of output. And I'm trying to optimize that as best as I can and uh, learn from every video I upload. And yesterday I kind of had an idea of, I was like thinking about it, oh, 
currently this phase I'm in <clears throat> is kind of a in-between phase because I'm working on this newest company I'm talking, I talked about this mm-hmm. uh, gambling project. And right now I just have spare time basically before that launches. And I always want to do the best for that company and make sure that it runs the best. But currently my company is YouTube. Like that, the YouTube channel is my company. How do I optimize that? I really was thinking about it and I'm thinking like, well, I edit my videos nicely. I uh, present myself a certain way, but really I'm shit at the game. So how do I make that better? Maybe I should actually practice getting good. And that is something I probably want to delve into because that will actually level up my content and make it a lot more enjoyable for the viewers. See me progress, progress and uh, become better. Yeah. That is something I want to work on concept wise. And I think that will resonate and reflect in a lot of other things I do next to YouTube, because if you go to the gym and you don't keep lifting more and more weights, you're not progressing there either. So where are you going to the gym for just to get a pump in and leave? You're not, you're not growing really. That's what you're going to the gym for. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. True right. that. True that. So yeah, just looking at like objectively how like nitpicking different parts about my videos and my channel yeah, and uh, looking at them and see how I can upgrade those individually. So speaking of lessons, it sounds like I got to start giving you some pro CS lessons then, huh? From the, yes. from the global elite Mayo himself. Yeah, <laughs> I'll send you some frag videos after this. Did you play so Facebook at all? No, well, I I don't play at all anymore, man. I'm like that. I'm like that. Um, you know that that classic story of that that fat old boxing coach. You know, it's still got some moves, mm-hmm. but boxed like 20 years ago. That's what I'm yeah. like. Cause I like, I like yeah. retired in quotation marks in like 2013. So okay. the, the hardest thing is I know how shit I am because I used to be much better. And now like I, I think I'm a similar rank to you or maybe even under you where, you know, I used to be, used to be basically global elite level. You know, I was in a top four team in Australia playing in tournaments mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's, it's crazy to me. Like I've got, and, and people often think I'm a cheater if I ever do play because I've got moments of brilliance where I can do a one V three clutch because I can outsmart everyone, but I don't have the same mechanical skills. I don't have the same, um, you know, flick shots and accuracy that I used to. So every now and then it's like my lizard brain will take over and I'll one eighty one dig people and, you know, get a one V three clutch and plant the bomb. And then the rest of it, I'll just be like, <laughs> just trash, you know, just, just getting killed by people like holding W and left click with paying yeah. money for the rest of the match. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. definitely. Yeah. I have so much things to improve on uh, when it comes to the game. I'm just complete shit. But it seems the like hardest, game sense. Yeah. The hardest thing with CSGO is you got to be like a complete nerd. Like we were like, like I came from top level Battlefield 2 and Bad Company 2 and then it was a rough transition to Counter-Strike because it was just so different because Battlefield 2 was about body movement and positioning. Where CSGO, there's no body movement. You need to literally be stopped when you shoot. Otherwise, it's just useless. Mm-hmm. So all of that crouch spamming and all of that movement stuff I learned like was thrown out the window and I was never a good aimer anyway. I was a commander a lot of the time, so I was telling people where to go and you know, had that good game sense and awareness. But you know, we were a top 30 team probably in Australia in Counter-Strike Source. But then when CSGO came out, like when that beta came out, we were just absolute geeks with that. Like we were, cause the first map was dust too. I remember spending a four hour session just doing boosts and smokes. Like where yeah. are the sky boxes? Where aren't they? Where can we sit that the people won't realize because you know, like in, in dust two uppers, there used to be scaffolds in there and there was one scaffold you could sit on. 
So on T side, we'd boost someone and we'd sit, sorry, out, outside there were scaffolds and you'd boost out and you do that. So when you're in an eco and, the, you know, they've bought their P90s and, and whatever and their PP19s and they're trying to push through on their anti-eco, you'll be sitting there and they'll be, you know, foaming at the mouth typing on global chat. You know, how the hell are you there? Like geeks, but you're like, well, you can call, you can call me an idiot, but I just won the round. <laughs> so, and that's, that's how we became so good just by being absolute nerds at the game. But that's, and that's also why we weren't number one in Australia because we didn't have all the skills, you know, to, to wrap up that. We had great teamwork. We had great strategy. We had a, like a massive strat book and I've still got our, um, I still got our strat book on Google drive. There's like, you know, six different strats on each side on every map. I've got a Sell few of those course. still. <laughs> well, they don't even work now because the game changes so much, right? Like if I get onto train now, I'm like, what the fuck is this map? <laughs> like, yeah. it's, so, it's so, and Nuke, Nuke is like 100% different. I wouldn't even know how to navigate Nuke right now because I haven't played really that. in six years. Talk about that. There's just a new update that came out for CS. Yeah. Yesterday night. Yeah. Finally, this the 10th operation just launched. So a lot, of new stuff, a lot of new content, new skins, everything is new. So got to milk that. Got to upload videos on it. Are you going to see a viewership spike because yeah, of that? Well, yeah, because I'm going to enjoy the game a lot more too. There's a lot of new content that you can go through. So I'm yeah. definitely going to enjoy that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of questions in the chat actually. People asking when your new video is coming out. So when when is your when is your next video? I got Sony Vegas open right now. I'm editing it. Oh, not right now, but <laughs> working on getting that. Probably up today, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Well, I've had you for almost an hour and a half. It's been a good chat. Where where can people follow you online for any of the business people that are watching you right now? The business people. So where you can find me is just on YouTube, Matt CS, M-A-T-T-C-S. And um, that's it. Just find me on my YouTube. That's it. I don't have a LinkedIn or anything. I, I should do that though. Shouldn't I? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Like, I think Dantix has started to use his again. I saw Pokimane. She posted yesterday on LinkedIn and it went kind of LinkedIn viral. Like, it got 600 likes on the post, which is pretty mm-hmm. rare. You know, she was just talking about how she has just done some cool achievements. I think she was sharing an article she was in. It always surprises me. Like, LinkedIn seems to promote influencers really well on there. I see a lot of, you know, a few YouTubers I work with, they don't post much, but when they do, the engagement is like 10x what mm-hmm. anybody else is. So, I might many celebrities on that platform. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. It might be, you know, I don't like, I don't get a boost in the algorithm unless I make good content really. So, I mean, LinkedIn, if you're watching this, I'd love to chat. Uh, this is some stuff I want to fix on your platform. Cool. Us up. Yeah. <laughs> the closest I ever got was some agency got paid to teach people how to use LinkedIn stories. They were like, you've been selected for this training program. And I was like, I don't want it. Can I, can I opt out? <laughs> like, I don't know how to use stories. I've got, in, I've got Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Different platform. For, for scaling and uh, like getting my business to uh, be bigger when it, when it's actually up. But for now, yeah. I don't see a point in having a LinkedIn up other than uh, bragging. Like, look at my YouTube plaque, guys. I have a, I have a hundred thousand subscriber plaque. Ooh. Hey, there you go. Those, those posts usually do pretty well. I mean, yeah. it's just like Facebook, right? If you think about your personal friends, if anyone shares they've got a new job, that usually goes nuts on anybody's Facebook. So it's pretty similar on LinkedIn. You share yeah. some, as long as you're not like, you know, accidentally taking a picture of your BMW keys in the background, but like it's like a brag on purpose thing. Like usually those, those kind of posts do pretty well. There's a really good um, Twitter that I love called The State of LinkedIn and they share a bunch of things like that. Fake stories, people oh, like right. 
it, you know, showing same. off their Rolex and their BMW and things like that. Yeah. That's really yeah, good. Really worked really hard for this guys. Uh, I want to thank everybody. Uh, X amount of years in this company got me this uh, new uh, watch guys. Yeah, yeah, that was a great one, which is like, you know, I'm not trying to brag, but, you know, just a massive shout out to like, you know, this Aston Martin dealership, like they were just so easy to work with <laughs> when I bought a car from them. It's like, all right, mate, <laughs> we get it. Range. Yeah. Oh, nice yeah. car. Yeah, exactly. And if anyone wants to contact you for like business inquiries, what's what's the best email? Sheesh. Uh, well, my email is kind of weird, but it's uh, ju. D-O-K-U-S at MSN.com. Judokus at MSN.com. So, yep. yeah. Or if anyone wants to, you can just go to Matt CS on YouTube, click the about section, and then there's a business email yeah. there too. You yeah. can just do the proving not a robot. And yep. MattCS.com. There you go. Too easy, man. All right. Well, thanks. It's been a good chat. You know, we talked about, first time we talked about shrooms on the podcast. First time we talked about um, pooing yourself or doing a marathon. So, <laughs> but um, it was actually funny. Like you, you mentioned before um, we went live, this is actually the first time we've ever talked. And I said, yeah. like, I feel like I already know you because A, we talk on Discord over text all the time, but B, I've mm-hmm. watched, I mean, I'm forced to watch a bunch of your videos anyway, <laughs> whether I want to or not. So <laughs> I feel like I already know you pretty well. So it was pretty funny to, like, I didn't even realize that we'd never even talked before. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen your stuff too. So it was like, wait, have we talked before? Because I feel like we have. We've have, we've exchanged a lot of messages and mm. we've seen each other like talk. So it's like in our brains, we kind of know each other, but not like on a personal level. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's been a good chat. And, you know, I think like I think some of the, the good cliff notes from this was, you know, talking about looking after your first, you know, your first 50 fans, making sure to connect with them, um, thinking about the purpose of like why you're doing what you're doing and the motivation comes from not just where you want to be, but where you don't want to be or what you're running from. I think that was, I think that was a pretty good chat too. And also, you know, how you structure your content, you're not the best player, but you've got the motivation to build that ecosystem within yourself. And, and, um, success isn't a question for you. It's just when, it's just, you mm-hmm. know, that you're working towards it and that's coming out. So, and I think that's why we resonate pretty well. I mean, it's super, the last two influencers I talked to as much as, you know, we all hate that word sometimes like that's, you know, they've got the same mindset is exactly what you're talking about, which I think is why they're successful. And it's why you've got a channel that isn't just a flash in the pan. It's not just, you did a cool Fortnite trick shot and you got a million subs off that. And then your videos get 10,000 views after that. Like it's quite consistent mm-hmm. on that growth. Yeah. And while you're smaller than some others, you've obviously got hardcore fans more i think you've got less total subscribers but more hardcore fans than most other channels yeah, yeah. that i that i work with yeah that's definitely important to me yeah that's that's pretty summed up it was a pretty good podcast yeah, yeah yeah good man hour and a half look at that second second longest podcast i think this is this one's turned out to be but we're both busy so for it for anyone who's watching live on twitch i mean the same as what matt and i talked about give us a follow if you've got any feedback hit us up at smithy mayo for me on twitter um, or um, LinkedIn if you're on there Smithy Mayo there's a bunch of people in the LinkedIn chat as well always happy to take feedback and hopefully people are enjoying like the new direction of this podcast um, I've talked about it on the last two podcasts as well as on my selfie video content that I did which basically I was just sick of the podcast I was doing I wasn't a fan of my own work and I don't like that I want to do things that you know I enjoy and I was starting to regret doing podcasts every week and that's not something I want to do so I made it a bit more casual can talk about whatever I want with whoever I want, but always have some sort of business lens on there. Um, It's always going to wrap around to that. So yeah, thanks for coming on, Matt. It's been real. It's been good. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me.